0: road to life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with pastor Mike Shepline and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit roadtolifechurch.com and we'll see you next week.
1: Are you ready to jump in? We've been in um, a series called The Proving Ground. And really what we've been talking about is just simply that it's called the, the proving ground in the underlying foundation of it is that God loves each and every one of us. He's planned for each and every one of us and we can see throughout his word that he desires to bless our life because of his love but then equally that we're a witness in the world around us where they look and say, what is it about you? And we just point up and we say it's because of God. But being the good father, that he is is he wants our character to be in a place where that we can handle it. I think all of us have maybe been around somebody that something happened in their life and maybe they came into something or or they were blessed with something, but they didn't have the character to match and it actually wasn't a blessing, it was a detriment within their life because their character didn't match what they received. And, And what God does is the way that he develops us is first he develops us through learning his word and applying his word Word to our lives, our everyday life. But then that is not the only way he develops us. The second way, and that's where this series ties in, is he allows us to go through certain types of tests in our life that when we respond right, our character grows. And as our character grows, our capacity to handle more grows in our life. Let me just give you a great example. We have four children. Okay, I thought before we had children, I knew everything about children. I, we had one, chi- one child, our very first child, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm maxed. How many of you know what I'm saying? And my wife was doing, okay, she's saying, she's looking at me. How many of you know to respond right when your wife gives you that look? She says, you're maxed? Well, let me just put, Okay. But we could not have handled four kids that first day. Are you with me? We had to grow. We had had to grow. Baby, what if you'd have had quintuplets first round? (laughs) And and, And so what God does is he allows us to go through certain tests and even leads us through certain tests within our life. He did it with every hero in the Bible, including Jesus. Jesus told a parable and he basically said that what God wants to see is that we can be faithful with little and he will bless us with much. But he wants to make sure that our character can handle where we're at. And so we've identified nine tests that we see in both the Old Testament. If you have a hero in the Old Testament, they went through these tests. If you have a hero in the New Testament, they went through these tests. They're in both the Old and the New Testament that God allows and even leads us through that enlarge our capacity to handle more of his best for our life. All nine tests are directly connected to our growth and our development. God doesn't allow us to go through tests for us to fail. He allows us to go through tests so we can see ourselves more clearly clearly respond to him and grow. Are you with me? And so, I don't know about you, but I have found that when I go through a test, I learn things about myself. How many of you how many of you are with me? It's like, okay, well, I didn't see that funkiness before, and it's like, okay, Lord, I need to grow in that particular area. God wants our inside life flourishing flourishing isn't the absence of certain things, but it's the condition of our soul. It's the condition of what's going on in our life. And so we did, we, today we're on number six, and I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to say the first five, we've covered them. If you're online watching or if you're here and you are not, you are not here during these, you can go on, you can go online or uh, just download the podcast, whatever you want to do. But the first one was the test of small things. God starts us in a small spot. The next was the motivation test. Why do I do what I do? Not just doing the right thing, but what's my motive? Why do I do it? The third was the credibility test. The fourth was the wilderness test. We're all going to go through seasons in our life where we feel like we're in a wilderness. Last week, we talked about the authority test. How do I handle those that are in authority in my life? And today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the warfare test. Everybody say the warfare test. This test comes when you're doing the will of God, but you're experiencing adversity in your life. Lord, I thought I was doing exactly what you want, but Lord, I'm getting some adversity. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, and, and I want to be clear as we read the Bible, the will of God and adversity go together. They're not apart from each other. Sometimes people are like, oh, the will of God. It's just goosebumps and fun and exciting. And let me just say this, it is, but then realize this, that when you're in God's will for your life, you have an adversary, and what he will do is turn up adversity to get you outside of that. He will turn up adversity, and we're gonna see it in his word. The first place we see God communicate about guarding, persevering in adversity is in Genesis chapter two. I think it's interesting in Genesis two was before God ever created Eve, it was only Adam in the garden. God places Adam in the garden and when he places him in the garden, I I wanna read verse 15. Genesis 2.15, so the Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the garden of Eden. Now look at what it describes his responsibilities are or we could say his marching orders and God put him there and it says to cultivate and keep it. Look at the two words that God used to describe Adam's responsibilities. The first was to cultivate it. Now, I might pop your bubble a little bit, but a lot of us have this mentality of Adam in the garden did nothing but sip tea and eat cherries. How many of you know what I'm saying? He just, he just, but notice what God said is when he put him in the garden, if you look up this word cultivate, it means to work. To serve, to labor, to work, to do work, to work hard by implication to till the land. Think about this for a moment. You and I were created to draw satisfaction from accomplishing things or working in our life. Will you say, why is that? Because that's what God did. God, on day one, it says what he did. And it says the Lord finished his work. He looked at it and it said, behold, it was good. God God created us just like him. But the second word that God used is he said, remember he said in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. This word keep, if you look at it, it means to hedge about as with thorns, that is to guard. It, God puts Adam in the garden. Sin hasn't come onto the scene. And he says, Adam, you're gonna, you're, what you're going to do is you're going to till the garden, cultivate the garden, and you're going to keep it. But then the word, if you look at the word keep, it simply means to hedge about. When you would put a hedge about with thorns in the Old Testament, it was a protection from something. It was to set perimeters to keep an enemy out. It means generally to protect, to attend to, to beware, to be circumspect, to take heed to yourself. It means to be a keeper or watcher. It means to observe. It means to persevere, to regard. It means to save self. It means to lay wait or be like a watchman on the wall. So God puts Adam in the garden and he says, you're going to cultivate and tend." Now, let me just be super clear. Um, I would have liked to have had some of those peaches in the garden. How many of you are with me on that? I would have liked, I mean, what do you think they would have tasted like? Oh, kid back. You think, but then God said, you're going to have part of that, Adam. But then he tells him, he said, you know what? You're going to have to guard. You're going to have to protect. You're going to have to beware. You're going to have to take heed. You're going to have to be circumspect. And you're going to have to persevere. Adam had a job before, was at, before Eve was ever created. And it was to cultivate, to protect, to persevere, to beware, and to take heed. Think about this for a moment. If you have to guard something... That means there's an adversary. We know as you read, we read on that the Bible says that Satan was in the garden in the form of a snake or in the image of a snake. And I just, I, I know the Bible doesn't say this, but I personally believe if Adam would have been doing his job, probably that wouldn't have happened. How many of you know what I'm saying? He said, no, it was the woman who ate us out of house and home. No, it was not. It was the bonehead man. Are you with me? you say, why do you say that? Because I personally think that Adam was like going through the animals and as soon as God created her, he was just like drooling. How many of you know what I'm saying? And he was just like, it's over. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's over. But you think about this is that if you look, is God told Adam, there's an adversary and I need you to stand up. This is part of God's creative order for our life we have an adversary and god needs us to stand up he needs us to be willing to fight he needs us to persevere he needs us to take a stand look at how jesus responded to adversity and this was in this particular time it was his just before his crucifixion and judas is coming or coming out with Guards, how many of you would have had a little bit of a tood with Judas? How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's it says, Jesus in Matthew 26, 50, Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. What I want you to notice is Jesus' response to adversity. He didn't act like it was freak. He didn't act like it was, oh my gosh. He didn't act like he recognized that adversity is part of the calling of living down here. One of the mistakes is to assume that if God, if God wants it for my life, I'm going to just get it it's just going to happen. I'm not going to have to persevere. I'm not going to have to fight. And I'm not going to have to stand. I won't have to prepare. I won't have to plan for it. I won't have to have vision for it. I won't have to grow toward it. It's just going to work out. Everything is just going to happen. That mindset has caused a lot People to miss out on the blessings, the opportunities, and the progress that God has for their life, because what they don't realize is they have a part, and their part is standing, their part is persevering, their part is spiritual warfare. Their part is there's an adversary that is out there that sees it. Just because God has plans, just because God has places, just because God has purposes for us doesn't mean that we are not going to have to fight for them. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna have to stand up adversity responded to right causes us to grow stronger and it causes us to lean on our faith in a real way and experience God in a very hot environment where we stop and we say God I don't it's a hot environment it causes us to experience him Jesus was talking about God and walking with him to those that were following him in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and he said this he said through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path, or we could say the life, the direction, or the course that leads away to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who are entering through it. But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life, and there are few who find it. In the Amplified Classic, it says that this particular way, the narrow gate, is contracted by pressure, it's straightened, and it's compressed, but it leads away to life. And what God is saying is he's speaking to each and every one of us, and he's saying you've got to realize that, that there is nobody that is exempt from the warfare test. Nobody is exempt. You can be right in the middle. You can be in the exact perfect spot that God has for your life, but you have an adversary, you have an enemy, and what he's gonna try to do is he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, what's he gonna do? He's gonna try to steal your marriage. You gotta stand up. You gotta fight. You gotta say no. He's gonna try to take your kids. He's gonna try to destroy your job. He's gonna try to destroy every area of your life. but you have to stop and say this is a test and what's going to happen is, is I'm going to develop and I'm going to grow as I stand up and I'm going to get stronger in the future through this thing. Yeah. Yes. I like in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, what I want you to notice is the word wrestle. Out of all the words God could have picked, he picks the word wrestle. I mean, why couldn't he, he, I mean, why couldn't he have said, you know, we walk not. Or we, you know, cruise not. He said we wrestle depicts strenuous effort. Have you ever seen two people wrestling? Oh, it is like, he, he said, you got to realize, Mike, that down here, that there is a, Satan is trying to pin you through warfare in your life. He's trying to pin you. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching what he said is the most important parable in the New Testament. And you say, well, why do you say that? Because he told the parable, and then the disciples went to him, the parable of the sower, and said, we don't get it. And he said to them, if you don't get this, you're not going to get any of the other parables. And then he sat down and and told the entire parable again and broke it down to where they could understand it. And what I, if you look at it, it's the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is all about the soils are the conditions of our heart. They're the conditions of our heart. And look at what it says. There's four different conditions. The fourth condition is the heart that, re, that reaps 30, 60, and 100-fold. When the word goes in, it produces. It just powerful. How many of you are like, oh, that's my heart? How many of you know what I'm saying? I believe that each one of these soils are present in all of our hearts. That all of us have an area that is like thorny. How many of you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, Some of us have an area that our heart is like a rock. We are not open, we've been hurt, we've been discouraged, and we're not open. But what I want you to notice is what he said in Mark four, verse 15 through verse 17. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuting for believing God's word. Jesus said, that once the word comes in to my life, immediately Satan goes after it. Immediately. That's like, I mean, you say, you're here today and you're all fired up and worshiping. How many of you found out? You can get in your car, go out on the street, and somebody will let you know you are number one real quick. How many of you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yo, say, what's happening? What's going on? I think it's interesting that if you look at the soils, not the 30, 60, and 100 fold, but the other three, is two-thirds of them that cause God's word to not produce in our life because they let go due to adversity, due to persevering, due to two-thirds of them let go. The enemy uses this. In Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse three, it says, for a dream comes with much busyness and painful effort, but a fool's voice with many words. God is saying, you gotta have the words, but you're gonna need to stand up. You're gonna have to persevere. You're gonna, I'm gonna need to work something in you where you stand up all the way back in the garden of Eden. You can look at Abraham, you can look at Sarah, You can look at Esther. You can look at Moses. You can look at Joshua, Caleb, David. It doesn't matter. In the New Testament, you can look at Jesus, Peter, James, John, Paul. You know, the part of our development to handle God's best comes from in the form of adversity and battles en route to receiving it. God is saying, I've promised you this. I'm going to do that. But part of your development is going to come in root to you receiving it, learning to stand up in a warfare moment, learning to stand up when it isn't comfortable. You know, they used to use this term, new level, new devil. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and what it is, is it's us learning to tune in to the word of God, the love of God, in the favor of God, while we're facing adversity and opposition in the season we're in. In boat terms, it's this. God created us to be battleships and cabin cruisers. How many of you know what I'm saying? Uh, And and some of us, we only want to be a cabin cruiser. There are times in your life that cabin cruising is great. How many of you know? But then there are other times you should not be sunning yourself on the deck. It's all hands on deck. You're in a battle. How many of you know what I'm saying? And that in our lives sometimes what happens is you get people that are just all warfare-minded, and they're just like, how many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeesh. And then you get the other people over here and it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about nothing, but what's easy and what's fun and what's like?" You know, God's like, okay, you got to get into the middle. And into the middle is you were created by God to possess his best for your life. And that includes facing adversity and persevering within your life, passing the wilderness test. We, you know, what we accomplish in life isn't based on what we want. It's not even based on how much we want it, but it's based on if we're willing to fight for it. Am I willing to fight for it in my life? You know, two words when you talk about a wilderness test. two words I could use to describe it, is your adversity quotient, your adversity quotient. You know, when I was a kid, they believed that IQ was the leading indicator to if any kid was going to succeed. Any kid was going to succeed, and they'd show up in the white robes and give the IQ test, and they wouldn't even tell the parents what the IQ test was. How many, you know, it's like we don't want to curse your kid. You know what I'm saying? But it was like they showed up, the, and they believe it was. Do you know that about 15 to 20 years ago, they did a they did the new research came out came out, and they indicated that your AQ has more to do with what you accomplish and where you go in life than your IQ that your AQ have more to do with your adversity quotient and a greater influence on what we accomplish than our intelligence quotient. There is no doubt about it that the person who has less talent and more fight will go farther in life than the poor person who has more talent and less fight. In their life. And we have to realize this in our life. The warfare test comes into our lives to prove how we'll respond to adversity. Being aware of this test is going to help us build our tolerance for pain and increase our endurance to keep going while we're facing resistance and difficulty and things within our life. And, and you know, maybe the fight in you, you've been reluctant within your life with with courage in regard to facing adversity in your life maybe in you that it the the courage in the fight has just laid dormant because of a huge setback or a disappointment that you have faced within your life but realize this that God created you and there is a fight on the inside of you he created you to fight he created every human being to fight he created and what the enemy does is through adversity tries to work the fight out of us, where we just kind of drift into a mentality. And what we've got to realize is we got to fight for our future, and it's more than just an external thing. It's an internal thing on the inside of our heart. The greatest enemy to your future isn't what happens to us, but it's how we see ourselves when that thing happens, and how we respond when it happens in our life. Amen? i got four minutes. I'm going to give you three things to help us pass the wilderness test. Number one is this, is we've got to realize that comfort is way overrated and commitment is way underrated. we got to realize comfort is way overrated and commitment is way underrated. You're not fighting for your future by knowing what to do. We're not fighting for our future by thinking about what we want to do. We're not fighting for our future. We fight by doing the right thing when we don't feel like it and just keep on doing it. That's That's a fight. That when we stop and we say, okay, I realize, you know, when you think about it, you fight by making an all-in commitment to God's plan and God's purpose and believing it. And just say, okay, I'm I'm going all in on this thing. You know when I was a uh, when I was a college student. I'm going to need a couple extra minutes, guys. I'm sorry. Um, when I was a college student, um, actually before I was a college student, when I was in high school, my my dad always loved dogs and he would always get dogs. And so he decided that the dog died, and so he wanted to go get another dog. And so they found this English Springer Spaniel. Um, and this was before online. They found this English Springer Spaniel, and they, they, went and it was a. They just had a whole bunch of little puppies, and they had all these pictures and whatever, whatever. So they drove over. Well, when they got there, what they realized is that there was another dog that was left over from the last litter. That was like I don't know a year old or something like that, and they were left over from the last litter. And they said, if you take this dog, we'll give it to you for half price. Just an inside track. Don't ever do that. There's a reason that dog's left. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so they brought the dog home, and the dog's name was Tiffany. And Tiffany was not the sharpest stick. Are you with me? <laughs> Tiffany was just like, Tiffany was just like, I know why you were left. I know why you were left. And, <laughs> but what happened is, is across the street from us was this other dog, and it's, it was a wiener dog, and its name was Schnapps. And Schnapps was like, Schnapps was like this long, and I'm not exaggerating, like this big around, and had about an inch clearance between his belly and the ground. (laughs) And Schnapps adopted our dog as his girlfriend. And so, what would happen is, is, whenever our dog went out, he was like, he'd be running, there's no leash laws, and he'd just come running across the street. My girlfriend's out. You know what I'm saying? He'd be hanging around, and Schnapps was like this big, and Tiffany was like this big. It was the craziest looking thing, but, but they were around. Anytime a dog came around and tried to move in on his girlfriend, Schnapps turned to a Rottweiler. How many of you know what I'm saying? Schnopps just went berserk. And I remember one time this St. Bernard, St. Bernard, full size, is trying to move in on our dog. Schnapps it looked like a torpedo. How many you know what I'm saying? Comes trucking across the street, latches onto that dog's jaw. And that St. Bernard is running, and Schnapps is just swinging. Just swinging. I remember remember just looking at it. And you know, the old statement, it's not the size of the dog, Mark Twain's, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And sometimes what we do is we think, well, it'll just, God's like, excuse me. You know what? You gotta stand up. You gotta fight. Number two is this, respond right to the threat of war. The enemy is a master at threatening war. First Peter 5.8 says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion. In the Old Testament, God's chosen people, the Israelites, if you look as they faced the threat of war while they were walking to the promised land after God had delivered them from slavery, and, it, and in Exodus thirteen seventeen, it says that God said, "If they face war, they may they might change their minds and return to Egypt." In the background, is God was leading them in the in the shortest quickest, most possible route to get to the promised land. But because of what was in them, God wasn't sure they were up for the fight. And so what he did is he He sent them in another direction because he said, if they face war, they're going to change their purpose. They're going to redefine their life. They're not going to keep following me. And so God led them through another way because of what was in them. What we've got to realize is that's the way it is with some people, just the thought of adversity, just the thought of a battle, just the thought it makes them queasy within their life. Two of the most common responses to those types of threats in our life is number one is to just say, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm just not even going to confront. I'm just going to ignore the enemy and hope that he goes away. Or the second is just hope that it goes away or I'll negotiate or I'll compromise or I'll do something. Ignoring is not the same as resisting. It's not the same. In, in James 4, 7, we're encouraged to resist. I'm just going to throw this out right now. Some of us are in a battle and God is saying, you got to stand up and resist. You got to stand up and resist. Yes, I'm with you. Yes, I'm for you. Yes, I'm planned for you. But you got to stand up right now and resist. You got to quit ignoring. You got to quit. You got to stand up and resist. James 4, 7 says, So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee. I think it's interesting, number one, is I have to have an attitude of submission to the authority of God in my life. Lord, I'm, I, God gives us the ability to resist by our proper attitude to say, Lord, I'm submitted to you. But second, is he says it. You know, when you think about it, you say, what does that mean? What, is he, what does God say or has he said about your life? That's your anchor point. That's your anchor point. It's not just a Bible verse, but it's a promise to me. That's my promise. That's my anchor point. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna submit to God. I'm gonna anchor on and resist. And, then the, and now you have something to resist with. I'm gonna, Lord. This is what you have said. Number three is this: is recognize some of the most common enemies to passing the warfare test in our life. Apathy. I'm just gonna. I don't think I gave them to him. Unbelief. Criticalness. Negativity. Hopelessness. Maybe a weakness that I'm not willing to do anything about. Poor self-image inconsistency, jealousy, laziness. You know, when I was, and I'll close with this story, I promise. Can I tell, will you guys stick with me for, can I tell one story? Okay. You know, got a congregation here and one here. When I was in Bible college, um, I, you know, I drove in, didn't have a place to stay and back then they had, how many of you remember the days of a paper bulletin board where they would put like at the, they would put little things on the paper bulletin board that if you needed an apartment or you wanted to rent a room or something like that. So I go to the bulletin board and, and, and I'm, and I need a place to stay. And so I'm looking for a place that I can rent a room and I go up to the board and, and um, it's at a Bible college. And so I'm, you know, everybody's going to be Cool. And and so these two brothers had this house that their parents had rented to store all their furniture in the garage, but the parents had moved and so they want, but the two brothers weren't done with school. And so they thought, well, we'll just rent um get a couple people to rent it, and then we got a place to store our stuff and our kids can go to school, all that kind of stuff. And so they're they so I respond to these two brothers, and they're basically saying, We need two roommates, and the two roommates are gonna be whoever those two are. They get the master bedroom. They get the master suite, and um, so I went and looked at the master suite, and I'd never had a master suite, but I looked at the master bedroom, and I'd sign me up. How many of you know what I'm saying? So I got it. I was there for like a week, and they hadn't rented it to anybody else, and how many of you are with me where my mind is going, oh, I'm going to get the master suite for this. How many of you know for this amount of money, because that's the agreement? Well, about a week later... Um, this guy comes and I guess he had responded. I'm just going to give you his first name. His first name was Pat. And Pat was like six, six or six, eight. And he was from the backwoods of Canada and he moved in. And the very first thing that I noticed was this smell. You say, what do you mean by this smell? I mean, it smelled bad. And after a couple of days, I went to him and I said, Pat, dude, we're both in the same room. You got to take a shower. How many of you are with me? You could tell. How many of you know? You could tell when somebody ain't taking a shower. They don't know it. But I'm like, you got to take a shower. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, I can smell you. It's bad. And I'm coming in and we're both in the same room. And how many of you know what I'm saying? And so I. he took a shower like once every day. Ten to fourteen days. Okay, now y'all are with me. Okay, and I remember. So I'm just riding him. I'm like, dude, we got it. You got, you got to take a shower. You got to take a shower. Then I noticed after he would take a shower, the room was still just like it was like how many of you know when you open the door and you walk in, it's just like a wall. Whoosh. And I, and I come home and I just walk in, and I went, Doug, did you take a shower? And, and he's like, I took one this morning took a shower this morning. I'm like, well, how often do you do your laundry? How often do you do? He did his laundry. He moved in with one suitcase and he did his laundry once every six to eight weeks. I'm like, it got so bad that I went to the roommates and I said, I'm moving out. I can't take it. And they're like, we'll I have a house meeting. You're the only one that pays your rent on time. You know, they're like, they're at a house meeting. And so we have this house meeting. And I just said, they're like, and he's like, what is the big deal? Why, I don't even know why we're having this meeting. I'm like, I can't even sleep in my own room. I can't sleep in there. I said, you have to have a laundry date. And it didn't work. So I said, from now on. You must put all of your dirty clothes in the closet and close it. You cannot leave them out. You can't leave anything out. And so we agreed and I came home, I made donuts. I got home at five o'clock in the morning and I come in and man, I got hit by just as I'm like, so I went over to his bed, get up, get up, get up. You got to get up. I can't sleep in here. And he's like, what is wrong with you? This is just ridiculous. You are not walking in the love of God. And he's just like, you know, we're in Bible. Bible. Bible college. And so he's like hitting me with the scripture. I said, you aren't either. You don't care about me. And we were just going on. I said, you left some dirty clothes out somewhere. I smell them. I could smell them. I said, I smell them. And he he goes, I did not. I tear apart the room and find one sock wedged in between the wall and it stunk the entire room up. I said, there it is. Get it out. Get it out. You know, sometimes in our life, we don't see it, our apathy. We don't see it, our criticalness. We don't see it, hopeless, poor self-image, inconsistency, jealousy. We don't see it. And God's like, excuse me, but it is stinking up the whole room. It's stinking up the whole room. And God's like, I can't do nothing about that. You got to take a shower. How many of you know what I'm saying? You got, I'm out of time, stand up. (laughs) I wonder today, how many of us, God is saying to you, let me just ask an honest question. How many of you right now are in the warfare test right now? You're just facing adversity. You're in a battle. You're in the situation right now. I just want to encourage you. God's with you. God's got you and he doesn't want you running from it, but he wants you to submit to him and he's gonna grow you through this in your life. But you have to stop and you have to say, okay, God, I realize this is what I know. Hope, it's stubborn. It is unrelenting determination to not allow hardships of life to downsize the bigness of God and the bigness of his promises in our life. And it's just, I just won't let go. And I wonder today, how many of us, God is saying, okay, the warfare test, you got these, but this is the one I need you to realize. Adversity, perseverance, standing on what I say about you, what I promise to do through you, standing on it, is the enemy's gonna come after that seed. The enemy is going to come after it, but you got to stand up and you got to persevere. Maybe you're here and your whole mentality has been a cabin cruiser. God is saying, it's time to shift over to a battleship. It's time to shift over and say, okay, God, I realize. God, today we come before you. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that is here. Lord, what we clearly see through your word is that there is a wilderness, not a wilderness test, but a warfare test that each and every one of us face in our life. And that, Lord, what you're wanting to do is for it to develop us. You're wanting it to work a deep conviction within our heart where we will not let go of you, we will not let go of your word, we will not let go of your promises because we're determined that you are true to who you say you are. And, Lord, I thank you for everyone that is here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit in their life. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for just a season of refreshing. Lord, if they're here right now and they're in a warfare test, I pray that, Lord, they're filling themselves up on anchoring on the promises you've given them in regard to their future, that, Lord, they were at one time excited but now facing adversity in their life. Lord, I thank you for everyone. You're here and you say, right now, I'm in a warfare test. Just lift your hand up. I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit within their life. And Lord, I thank you. And I pray for an awareness that this thing isn't freak. This thing is not out of the ordinary, but it's part of your development for our lives. And Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for strength on the inside. Lord, I pray that you give them dreams about their future, your dreams. And Lord, I thank you for the hope that each and every one of us have. In Jesus' name, you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. I want to pray with you right where you're at. You're here and you say, that's me. I want to pray with you, but I want everyone to close your eyes and bow your head. Say, that's me. On the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand to the Lord. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you, God. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your grace. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I give you my heart and the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you're here right today and you're in a warfare, say this with me, will you? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, But thanks be to God, let's say that, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's you today and you're in a warfare, or if you're online watching and you're in a warfare, just say this, say, In the name of Jesus, I come against the enemy right now. My victory is in Christ. Get off me, devil. Get off my family. Get off my finances. Get off my circumstances. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you're for me. That you're with me. That your power is working. Help me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.